The Gospel comes from Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 27. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation— Of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. On September 11, 2001, 30-year-old Debbie St. John was on her way to work in Manhattan. She had just come up from the subway when she was met by workers from the World Trade Center who told her that a plane had hit one of the towers and that they would get her to safety. She looked up and saw another plane hit the second tower, and then she began to run. The last thing she remembers is thinking that she had worn the worst possible shoes that day. What she does not remember is being hit by a piece of one of the planes. She does not remember that the medic, a stranger, who saw her got others to help and took her to the hospital where she became Jane Doe number one, the very first patient to arrive that day. She remembers waking up in the hospital and knowing that everything would be different now, that everything had changed. I heard Debbie interviewed this past week on a podcast in which she talked about her long recovery. That although she was told she would never walk again, she was determined to dance at her own wedding, which she did. She has 10-year-old twin daughters now. As a result of the pain from her injuries, she also became dependent on opioids and worked for years to deal with that struggle. For her, nothing was the same after that Tuesday morning in Manhattan. There are days when everything changes for us. Days we can look back on and say, for better and for worse, everything was different after that. I became someone else after that. 
not right away, not instantly, but that moment changed things. After that, whatever that was, that day, that event, that illness, that accident, that proposal, that birth, that adoption, that job, that yes, that no, that breakup, that truth-telling. After that, I was never the same. Today's gospel is that kind of day for Jesus and Peter and the disciples. Everything changes after it, at least as Mark's gospel tells the story. If you envision this gospel like a mountaintop, we have been making our way up for the past few weeks, which is the stories of Jesus doing wonderful things, healing people, feeding them in miraculous numbers, casting out demons, restoring sight to those who are blind and hearing to those who are deaf. He stilled the waters of one storm on the lake and walked on the waters during another. There's been resistance and confusion among many who have been following him, but also great yearning and hope for what he might yet do, what is to come. Today's story is on top of this metaphorical mountain, and Jesus asks his disciples for a report of the way up. What are people saying about him? Who do people say that I am, he asks, and they tell him. They say, well, some say you might be John the Baptist, come back from the dead, or Elijah, the Old Testament prophet whose return was supposed to signal that the Messiah was near, or another prophet altogether. But then Jesus turns to, to the disciples and he makes the question personal. Who do you say that I am? Peter answers, as Peter often does. He's the first hand up when the teacher asks a question. He's that friend who always starts talking before the other person has even finished. He appears to get the answer right. You are the Messiah. But when Jesus begins to explain what that means exactly, it means suffering and loss and rejection and death, Peter is lost. He cannot understand this. Surely Jesus has it wrong, and Peter suggests that that's the case. And then everything changes. Jesus turns and rebukes Peter. The most direct translation is that Jesus shuts him up and begins to remind the disciples what they have really signed up for with him. One writer says, in no gospel does Jesus say, it is my responsibility to die for you while you applaud my heroism. Instead, what Jesus always says is this, the Son of Man is ordained by God to suffer and die and be raised, and so are his followers. Are you coming? And suddenly Peter, who thought he had everything figured out, is back at the beginning. If this is who Jesus is, then who will he be? If this is the life Jesus is called to, then what kind of life will Peter live? If this is what being the Messiah means, not a free pass out of human suffering or the master key to fixing it all, but the daily choice to enter into the worst of the human experience and stay right next to us in it, if that's the Messiah, 
then who are the Messiah's followers supposed to be? Nothing is the same after this for Peter. Now, he doesn't change right away. He still stumbles and fumbles his way around. And let's not forget that when the chips are down and Jesus is being taken to his execution, Peter swears up and down that he never met the guy. But even life-changing moments can take a lifetime to figure out. Peter thought he was at the top of the mountain. He's now beginning to realize that he's following a God who is much more determined to find everybody who's still stuck at the bottom. Maybe one of the most draining realities of a pandemic is that there isn't really a singular moment when everything changes. Was it the day we closed the sanctuary doors, March 8th, 2020? which was the last time until this Sunday that we worshiped together at 8 a.m. and 9.30 and 11, the times we thought would go on forever? Was it the day your kids left school and didn't go back? The day your job told you to stay home and you stayed there and maybe you're still there? Was it the day you couldn't get toilet paper at the grocery store? Or the first time you put on a mask? or the first time you lost someone you loved to COVID, or the day you got your vaccination, the first time you walked back into this building or another one, the day school started again. There's no one moment. And yet we're not the same, are we? We're not the same as individuals or families or neighborhoods or as a congregation. Things are different now. So who shall we be? Perhaps the most important thing we can do as we start to live into that question is to acknowledge that things have changed. We can't go back to who we were before, even if sometimes we wish we could. But that isn't all bad, is it? Maybe we, like Peter, are beginning, beginning to learn things that will take a lifetime to truly understand. Like how over these months we've seen in, may, in ways that many of us simply did not see or tried to avoid before, the brokenness and the hurt in our way of life. Like how we've realized again the weaknesses in our healthcare system, even as we have seen the resilience and the strength and the exhaustion of the healthcare workers who stay with us when we're sick. Or how we've seen the inequities in our education system, even as we've seen the resilience and the strength and the exhaustion of the teachers and the staff and the school administrators who gave everything they had in an impossible situation. Or how we've realized again the inequities of the world, which have meant that black and brown communities in this nation and globally have endured much higher death rates and poorer outcomes from COVID, along with a great many other diseases. We have realized that we are the church when these doors are open and when they're closed. And we are the church when we are together and when we are apart. And we have realized how much we miss the communities 
that we are part of and that love us. Perhaps the gift Jesus gives Peter today is the chance to stop and ask this question. Who do you say that I am? Because there's no way to answer that question about Jesus without asking ourselves who we are too. In this world, as it is, in all its changes and shifting ground and struggles and pain and beauty and hope, as we mark another step toward a new future together as a community and a people, we have to start by telling the truth. We are not who we once were. And then, with Jesus, let's ask ourselves, as those who follow the Messiah, the beloved one of God, who came to be with us on top of the mountain and at the bottom and every place in between, as those who are still living through days that are changing us even as we speak in ways we are only beginning to understand. Who are we now? How is God calling us not to go back but forward? There's still so much we don't know. But we do know Jesus. So let's start the same way he does but the question that opens everything. Who do you say that I am? And who, O oh God, shall we be now?